guys. Welcome back to Stick a Fork in It, where we are sticking a fork in all things good in Tampa Bay. And uh, guys, what's been going on with you? We've all been super busy, so it's all the same thing. So, yeah. Matt? November's a busy month. Not for the reason people think. You know, there's nope. uh, a lot of folks think this is the time of year when people are hungry, but we know, and anybody who listens to this show knows, people are hungry year-round. Yeah. So, um, the increased attention from people who aren't yes. always in our world can make November a little bit crazy, but also because we opened Feeding Pinellas. We did. Yeah. We yeah, did, and it's amazing. Deal. It's been awesome to have right. uh, the pantry down there, to have classes on site, to have all the supportive services of other partners, and then, of course, the Third Trinity Cafe. Yes, which I'm like, oh. When I walked into that, I thought I was going to freak. I, I did shed a little tear. I'm not going to oh, lie. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Because yeah. I come from exciting. the original mm-hmm. T3 before we merged. So that, I mean, T3, Trinity Cafe. <laughs> so when uh, we merged, that was a dream of ours. But, uh, of course, coming into the big dogs over here at Feeding Tampa Bay, stuff yeah. gets done. It has been a long, slow road, but we are there. It's there. It's been the craziest two years you can imagine, but we are open. Yeah. We're really happy with it. Uh, the facility looks awesome. We've had a great response. You know, it's it's been a really nice. Yes, and we have a, a wonderful manager over there, uh, Reagan McGillis, and she is just really the main point of contact, even though we have a wonderful team. And really the whole concept there is food for today, food for tomorrow, and food for a lifetime. And the exciting part is, is that we're going to connect people. That's right. With our partners. And we have some amazing partners, one of which today is our guest. That's right. Which I was real excited. I was doing a little background information. United Way of the Suncoast has donated $533,000 standing with us in Tampa Bay to date. You know, maybe if this goes well, (laughs) We'll (laughs) because we've got the right person hanging out. (laughs) You know, and then big things have happened in their world, too. Right. She'll tell us about that, too. So, Matt, you go ahead and do the introduction. Well, our our special guest today is trying to bring money the other direction for United Way Suncoast. We have our uh, very fun guest, Carrie Getz, with the Chief Development Officer for United Way Suncoast. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I like that switch on the title, because sometimes when people see development, they're like, (laughs) <laughs> right yes, exactly exactly i love it we need to rethink that in our world honestly i love it chief fun officer chief fun officer I think sure I, you know it, it's interesting one of the one of the i'm jumping ahead here uh but one of the teams that i get to lead is community engagement and i know that we bring a lot of volunteers here to feeding tampa yes. bay this yes. is such yes, a popular do. popular place for our volunteers to go and i always refer to our community engagement team as our camp counselors nice. they really are they're our philanthropic <laughs> camp counselors we're camp philanthropy and we're bringing people all over the community to come and give back. And so, yeah, I do. Absolutely. I will take fun officer. Nice. There That's you go. Yeah. Chief fun officer. <laughs> this might be the quickest I've thrown us off script, but we're going to go off script now. Oh, and let's do this. Follow up on that, because I think there's a, a huge similarity between United Way and Feeding Tampa Bay in how we connect development and volunteerism. Absolutely. You know? So tell us a little bit about how kind of you see those two. Why would that team be part of your team? So um, I, I, I say this to my team, and, and I'm probably there. Someone's going to raise an eyebrow for me saying this because I usually say it internally. But hey, I'll just say it to, <laughs> to all of my good friends out there that are listening. Um, I always refer to volunteerism as uh, the gateway drug to philanthropy. Um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, the hook. it is. It gets you. It gets you hooked. I really do believe that the more that we can engage volunteers, I, I you know, th- this has been such a difficult time um, these last eighteen months, and um, and and really. I think we know for the people that we serve, it will continue to be a very, very difficult time. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we're doing in our work right now in, in that, in this, in the services space is to tell people that those that we serve, our community, they're nowhere near out of this pandemic. Um, And so I think bringing people in and having them actually see that Mm -hmm. is critically important to the road to the recovery that we need to have so that people can get out of the, 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 the desperation that they've been in through, you know, loss of job or health issues or, you know, child care issues, all the things that are facing our community right now. Um, and I think the more we bring people in and we say, do, do you have a couple of hours? Can you spend some time? Can, yeah. you, can you see what we're dealing with here? Um, then all of a sudden you'll notice that people either continue to engage, which is what we really hope. We want volunteerism to be a part of someone's life, um, but that also them, then they become much more generous, um, you know, with, with their, with their, with their dollars, mm-hmm. which is kind of, you know, very helpful, um, <laughs> yes. but it's extremely helpful. 
but even more importantly is is the the thing that I hope for is that the next time they hear somebody say something like, "Well, there's plenty of help wanted signs out there." Mm-hmm. That they say, well, yeah, but do you understand like what it costs to be able to feed a family of four? Have you seen how high rents have gone up? Or, you know, over the last six months, and they can speak um, from experience and also from an educated space on the kind of challenges that are facing our community right now. Yep. Um, and and that all comes about because of because of volunteering, because coming in and really helping and making a difference. You know, just recently I was speaking to um, the Leadership Tampa group, and it was an interesting thing because they brought in, you know, they, they bring in a couple of social services leaders to, to kind of kick off that day of exposure and volunteerism. And it's, it's always interesting to me to be in front of a group where there's a real big mix because some of those folks are in our world and mm-hmm. they're, you know, shoulder to shoulder with us. And then there are others in the room who've never spent a day volunteering and had no idea what they were in for for the rest of the day. Yeah. So when somebody comes into your world as a brand new volunteer, what's the pitch? What's the, you know, what's the process? How do you, how do they kind of, uh, get welcomed into that experience. So it's it's interesting that you bring up the Leadership Tampa group because we spoke to that group as well. And we did what we do is we blew people's minds with ALICE data. Yeah. And United Way, Suncoast, United Ways in general have ALICE. Um, and that is, that is so uh, across the board what we are known for. And We'll talk more about what the United Way does, but it's, since we're talking about this topic right now, ALICE stands for Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. This is the primary demographic that we try to serve. So if you think about it, there's two levels in, in, this, in this world. Um, there's the federal poverty line, which opens you up to all sorts of social services and resources and um, different programming. But then there's just above that. And everybody hears about that. Well, they just don't make, you know, they make too much to get this yeah. service or they make too much to get that service. And what we do is we really kind of work in that that donut hole of you don't qualify for the federal poverty line, but you're working. You're you know maybe you and another caregiver for your family are both working, but you're not making enough to meet the median the median income to support your family in a community that has seen incredible rent increases in the last six months. We all know that groceries are going up. We all have filled up our gas tanks and felt that pinch. Um, that kind of, those kind of critical day-to-day cr- crises, really, yeah. they are a flat tire away from losing everything. Um, we try to share that data. And then, you know, then we tell them what this all means. And then we say, we serve a five-county area. Uh, United Way Suncoast is Hillsborough, Pinellas, uh, Manatee, Sarasota, and DeSoto. When you take our five-county region, 47% of our citizens in those five counties fall into the Alice category. Wow. Yeah. And, that's, and so, you, so you, you share that with them. And, and you say, that's why you're here. That's who you're helping. You, know, you are helping really 47%. You're helping you know, one in three. And if you're in the right mix, you're, you're pretty much helping everybody. It just depends. You know, those business leaders, I always think it's interesting. So we do something, I'm going to jump ahead here for just a second. We do something called volunteer income tax assistance. We yes. process we ta- process tax returns for free. It's one of the services that United Way offers. And when I talk to business leaders, I always say, do you have people in your organization that make $68,000 or less a year? And of course, yes, of course Every they do. Every single organization, yeah. the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And I said, wonderful. They qualify for United Way hmm. services. And the look on their face, all of a sudden the game changes. And they're like, well, but I'm like, but $68,000 does not adequately uh, fund a family of four. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And so they qualify for free income tax assistance and they qualify for our services. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, it really comes home. And and I think you hit on a really important point of that, that donut hole in the middle, because I'm sure these numbers have changed slightly, but the last time I saw it, when you cross over about $13 an hour for a full-time worker, you start losing benefits, mm-hmm. like significant benefits. And it doesn't equalize where you can pay for the equivalent on your own until you get to about $22 an hour in salary. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how many people out there working in jobs that are hourly go with a $9 an hour raise, <laughs> no, very, very few. And mm-hmm. so there are a lot of people in that in between 
even in two income families yes. in that in between area. And so the the fact that United Way does such a fantastic job of putting a spotlight on that group of people, of highlighting the challenges that are faced by your next door neighbor, by the person that you are, you know, alongside, you're right behind in line at Chipotle or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, the the people that are in your children's classrooms, you know, the, there are all sorts of people that fall within that area that really do need our assistance. Mm-hmm. And um, I love that United Way has taken a very aggressive approach to highlighting that need isn't just the homeless person you drive past when you're scooting through downtown or, um, you know, someone with a severe illness or, you know, it's much more of an everyday challenge than a lot of people realize. Mm -hmm. I think whenever we were at the height of our pandemic, we we partnered with you all, with Feeding Tampa Bay, to deliver meals through our community centers. And that was something that was very important for us, for people to see, because it was a drive-through distribution. And we were trying to get as many volunteers out there as possible. And I would go and and without fail, some of the, one of the volunteers would say, but the cars are so nice. Yes. Right. It might be the only oh, thing yes. they own. Yes. And you're like, yeah. And I said, well, let me ask you, because you always ask that question. And I know you all are well trained in this, but you say, all right, so there's that car. So the car gets them to work. And if worse came to worse, they could always sleep in their car. So what are you going to do? You gonna give up on the car payment and let the car get repossessed and lose everything? Right. Or are you gonna drive through this line and get healthy meals for your family for the week? That's right. Um, and that's that's the reality that people have to live. I mean, I, I don't know what they expect. I always, you know, in my mind, and I know this I will make it a I will make it a because we talked about being the fun officer. <laughs> I will make it I will make it a playful image, but in my head I think they always expect that it's gonna be like the mayhem band bus from the Muppets, <laughs> you know, yes. pulling in on its last yes. leg with the, you know. The, yep. with the exhaust you know blaring yeah. out the bass and mm-hmm. back and everything I, I I feel like that's what they're yeah the electric mayhem band for all of our Muppet <laughs> lovers out there and I know there are some but uh but you know I think that's the kind of like yes. vehicles they're expecting and no they are they are they are well cared for nice vehicles and and again sometimes one of the primary assets that families have but on the flip side also one of the ones that, that's one of the first to get taken away yep. um yeah. you know you tell people I think you all know this too trying to explain to people how expensive of it is to be on the brink of poverty. Yes. You know, when we were dealing with the beginning of COVID and we were seeing, I know we'll talk about this a little bit with, you know, the eviction crisis and people trying to find rent and, and trying not to get kicked out of their homes. People didn't realize that one of the things we were also dealing with was making sure that their appliances weren't repossessed. And people don't think about this because when you are, when you are, first of all, a lot of accessible housing does not come with appliances. Right. That's one of those things that makes it accessible. Um, affordable, in air quotes, housing often does not have the basic things that you would expect to find in other rental um, units. And so you end up having to go out and rent a refrigerator or rent a stove. And so all of a sudden, you've lost your job. You, you're at the, you know, at the risk of, of being evicted. And so we're helping with rental assistance and mitigating the immediate threat and need. And then they're like, yeah, and we lost our, we lost our fridge. And you tell someone that, they don't even understand. They don't understand right. that you rent appliances. Um, this is what happens when you don't have the upfront cash, when you're asset limited, income constrained, but you have a job. So you can pay that rent for that refrigerator. Um, but whenever that money goes away, now all of a sudden, these are the things that you that you lose. Yeah, we, we talk a lot about that kind of challenge within the, the demographic of, of the Alice population that there are so many things that make being in on a margin like that more expensive and more time consuming. Mm-hmm. And it is really difficult for folks to understand if they've never lived it or known somebody who has lived it because you would never think, hey, um, you're either paying for coin laundry mm-hmm. or you're renting a washer and dryer in yes. a lot of places. You know, there there are so many little pieces to to life that when you have a steady job and steady income you can just barely keep your head above water Mm -hmm. and you can manage but missing two paychecks is a game changer and there are plenty of people who had great jobs who have good educations who missed nine months of paychecks Mm -hmm. and so we talk a lot organizationally about trade-offs you know, it's one of the reasons 
I think our work makes sense to people because we know 50%, 47% of the community is making daily trade-off decisions. Which bill do I delay paying? Yeah. Can I get all of the medication that my doctor has prescribed or do I have to only take some of it? Am I cutting pills mm -hmm. in half and taking half of the recommended dosage so I only have to pay my copay every other month? But if we can get somebody a bag of groceries, if we can get them a free hot meal at a Trinity Cafe, all of a sudden their food bill goes down and those other bills become slightly more manageable. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't know that's what you guys see all the time. All the time. And that's exactly where we are with the, the nice car conversation. Mm -hmm. So let's back up just a little bit back to, for those listeners who don't understand United Way, can you bring, bring us up to speed on United Way and what you do? Absolutely. So everybody knows United Way. Everybody mm -hmm. knows United Way, and nobody knows what the United Way does. <laughs> it's okay. It's perfectly okay. It's kind like of we, impressive. Actually. We have the we have yep. the we have the best we have like the best brand awareness, and like the worst like we have like the worst like net promoter score. Like what? Yeah. Would you recommend the United Way to your friends? I know. I don't know what they do. <laughs> what are they? Yeah. What are they? So they so do? I will say this, and I and I need to be clear. If you know one United Way, you know one United Way, and that is that is part of the the beauty of the business model, and that is part of the challenge is that we are um, by by the nature of our business model and our charters, we are allowed to serve our community. That is our that is our primary goal. What that looks like differs from community to community. So like I like to say, if you were in Louisiana right now, you would see United Way in lockstep with the Red Cross. Because unfortunately, Louisiana, coastal Louisiana has been hit with so many hurricanes that the United Way has pretty much gone into full emergency relief mode down there. So, you know, you're going to see United Way show up with bottled water and relief uh, tools just the same as you're going to see Red Cross. Because that is who they have, that is who they have become um, by the nature of serving community. So for us, we have the five-county region, Hillsborough, Pinellas, Sarasota, um, Manatee, and DeSoto. So like for instance, some of the challenges that we see in DeSoto County, which is a strongly agricultural and rural community, is very similar to some of the challenges that we see in Waimama. Um, because we see a lot of the migrant population, we see a lot of agricultural workers. So we, we tend to solve problems similarly in those two, those two areas in our five-county region. But for us, for the most part, we focus on early literacy, early childhood literacy. And it's really funny, we've, we continue to move the net needle back. It started with you know, making sure that we had children on grade level reading. This is a big initiative. We work with a lot of different schools. We work with a lot of different programs. We have our own programs to get children reading on third grade level. And that is super important for us because it is at third grade. Why that is such a, you know, that's when all the tests are. So that's when all the kids get all like stressed out. But the reason why we test in third grade is because it is, that is the moment when you stop learning how to read hmm. and start reading to learn. Uh, mm, right? Huh. Right. So if you think about it, like that is the moment whenever you start to now read history and geography and your word problems and yeah. math and all that comes together. So if you're still sounding words out, if you're still having phonetic challenges, if you're not putting it all together, now it's impeding your ability to continue right. on with your studies. So that's why third grade is so critically important. And I think a lot of people think, well, they're just little kids. It's kind of like this arbitrary measure. And it's like, <laughs> nope, that's when education nope. flips the switch and we have to get them on third grade reading level at that time. Also, because of that, because that is the that is the moment in our education system when you begin to read to learn, um, not having those skills in place, it absolutely, it's an indicator of how much money you're going to make in your lifetime. Are you going to graduate from high school? Are you going to go to college? It's, it's, a, it's a leading indicator of so many success markers. And then unfortunately, in the state of Florida is, is actually one of the states that does this, um, it is actually a projection model that is used to indicate how many beds will be needed in correctional, fa correctional facilities. So jail beds are determined by third grade literacy rates. And it's wow. That's an it obvious is, connection, right? It's an exceedingly <laughs> yeah, it's an exceedingly disturbing and accurate indicator wow. of projected wow. need. Yeah. Man. So right. So and, yeah. And with that being said, that's not something that you can change in the back half of second grade. That's not, not when you've spent your entire year uh, learning virtually as right. well, which right. is one of the challenges right. that we've been facing. Yeah, absolutely. And right. uh, you know, then a digital gap becomes a really important conversation. But you know, even still, one year is not going to change that situation. And you know, there, there's really robust research that goes back to the amount of words you hear 
in the first three years of life. Mm. You know, if you, uh, there's a really, really cool study where they put little monitors on, on children. Um, you know, they hung them around their neck basically and, and counted the number of words that kids heard and then correlated that with their third grade reading scores. And there was an almost perfect correlation between the number of words spoken in the household early on in a child's life and their ability to pass third grade reading tests. You are such a good hype man because that just set me up. Because remember, I said, <laughs> I said we keep moving the needle farther and farther back. So we we can't start in third grade. So we actually have a program called Talk to Me Baby. <laughs> and so I was like, well, you're talking. I'm like, yes, this is perfect. Yes. Yeah, Talk to Me Baby is a program that's zero to three years, and that's exactly what it is. It's really encouraging and training caregivers to be more communicative and verbal mm-hmm. with children, and and really that same program then sets them up for kindergarten readiness, which is another thing that we're working very hard on. And we're, we're going into, and of course we can talk about the childcare crisis forever um, and how we've seen a, a real loss in childcare, early childcare professionals in the, in the childcare, early childcare space. Um, and losing those professionals has been a huge hit to the work that we do. Um, and we can talk about and the, the fact, huge cost associated with childcare as well. Oh, the huge cost yeah. and the fact that most of the people who are taking care of your children in childcare are in our Alice demographic. Right. Yes, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. They are the people that we serve. Um, and so we've done, but we are doing a lot right now to try to train early childhood. Um, it, it's an early childhood initiative uh, to really train those uh, childcare workers and professionals to really help them. Because in a lot of cases, and you see this particularly right now, um, childcare is most affordable in homes. Mm-hmm. So you see a lot of home-based childcare centers and they are always filled with love and they are always filled with wonderful people and they love those children, but they may not necessarily have the tools and the ability to put in the kind of curriculum that gets the children ready for kindergarten. Here, here's my least favorite statistic that I quote to legislators and others all the time about this kind of situation. In the state of Florida, you can be an early childhood classroom leader with 40 hours of training, which you don't even have to have when you walk in the door and take the job, you can get it over the first year of employment. And yet you can't cut my hair without 2000 hours of training. Mm -hmm. And I promise it does not matter how you cut my hair. It's not going to look that good, (laughs) but my kid and the literacy skills and the things that it takes to be a great early childhood educator aren't going to be learned in just 40 hours. Yeah, it's a it's a real it's a real it's a real challenge, and so we do a lot of programming around that. So I would say that's a cornerstone for us. And then the cornerstone we talked about, I did talk about it already. The volunteer income tax assistance program. Yep. We do a lot in financial stability, a lot, um, and financial stability is great because it's a big tent. We can put a lot of things under that big tent, and we and we are we are shifting some of our focus and some of our priorities as a result of the pandemic. It's all falling under financial stability, but we do our volunteer income tax assistance program. We filed over eight thousand taxes tax returns uh, last year, and you know what? That was low for us because we had to do appointment only uh, because of the pandemic. We normally do about twelve thousand. Um, uh, we do about twelve thousand a year, and it usually comes out like because it was a little lower because we only did eight thousand. It's about eleven million dollars all told. That's either in saved save fees for people that did not have to pay someone to do their taxes. Um, it was it was a little bit more lucrative this year because we got to teach people about the childhood uh, the child tax incentive, yep. uh, the tax credits, um, but then uh, the returns that they get back. And that is a really great opportunity for us to educate on the other thing that we do is we try very, very hard to get our community banked, Alice families banked. Um, if you if you've never used a payday lending system as a as a marker of what kind of neighborhood you are in, um, you're not paying attention um, because payday lending um, facilities, uh, predatory lending facilities in some cases as well, um, payday loans, those are the places that you go to whenever you can't afford to be at a bank, yep. um, and you can't afford to be at the bank because uh, because the bank charges you two dollars and fifty cents to check your balance. Um, which is true in a lot of uh, a lot of no balance checking accounts, um, or you overdraft, and now that just cost you fifty dollars. You know, there's a there's a study out there, and I want to say I, th- I think it's Pew did it that said over the course of a um, of a um, person's life, particularly like in the demographic in, in the Alice population, they may have up to forty thousand dollars in excessive bank fees for things like overdraft and yeah wow over the now it's over the yeah it's expensive to be poor (laughs) again no it's over the course of a lifetime but it's still forty thousand dollars in lost income Mm -hmm. and and so we work with banks and we have about 20 banks now that we work with they 
they have programs that are built for people who are living paycheck to paycheck and they eliminate those fees and they are they are friendly accounts that allow and have and have some some leeway in 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 that kind of in the challenges that face I'm one flat tire away from financial ruin kind of right. existence and so we do a lot to say okay we've done your taxes this is what you're getting back where's it going mm-hmm. you know like let's get right. a direct deposit let's talk about what a direct deposit is and let's get you into a bank and then we do a whole bank banking program we do a lot of training financial literacy we do you know helping people we do help people buy houses we they're their first homes help people buy cars all of those kind of those kind of trainings and, and services and then what we're really doing and we're calling it financial stability because it is we are we are shifting and again this is what makes United Way so cool is that we get to do whatever it is that our community needs we're really moving into um, eviction crisis uh, affordable housing accessible housing you know I, I like this idea there's this idea of affordable housing I really prefer this this move to the term accessible housing yep. um, because what is affordable to you is is different than what's affordable right. to me that's a different than right. what's you know affordable to you know uh, Tom Brady so um, <laughs> God bless him yeah exactly um, and so as a result accessible housing is it housing that, that you have the ability to find? Uh, How far away from your job do you have to go Mm -hmm. to get a place that you can afford? And now what does your transportation cost look like? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and again, you know, and what does that what does that what does that unit offer? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have a we have a huge uh, challenge um, in the USF area that a lot of the housing over in USF, you know, this is this is this is very uh, there's some challenging housing out there. But what I think a lot of people don't realize is one of the biggest challenges in a lot of that um, that housing is that that region is not on sewer lines. Hmm. It's not on sewer, and it's not it's not on water. It's not it's 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 like this in this unincorporated no man's land. It's not quite the cities. It's not quite the counties. So almost all those units are on septic, and almost all those units are on well. Get out. I, no, one hundred percent. It's yeah, it's one hundred percent true. And so you so you now you have a now you have a affordable housing that you can afford. But your children are getting these really weird rashes. Your babies are getting like yeah, UT. because they don't have the proper water systems or anything like that. Because yeah. they're on well. Yeah. And now, and now, of course, the septic system is running a facility for like you know twenty families, and it's backing up. And mm. sure. Uh huh. So once you or... once you've found accessible <sighs> housing, now the challenges at all, and that's you know that's a region that is particularly plagued with challenges around just clean water. The Humana Foundation and Feeding Tampa Bay work together to address food insecurity. Our goals are to strategically bring about healthy outcomes and create meaningful, sustainable change for our neighbors throughout the 10-county region that we serve. Learn more about it at feedingtampabay.org programs. Oh so another thing God. that you just don't consider, you yeah. know, like you're like that doesn't happen here. Like that's not that happen here. Yeah, <laughs> in the neighborhood next to me, uh-huh. and that's and that's accessible housing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what they, right now on the market they are saying that only about two percent of what's on the market right now is being defined as accessible. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and assisted housing, you know, housing that comes with like either Section 8 or, you know, some of the mm-hmm. other programming, um, there's about a 7,500 person wait list. Oh, is that all? Yeah, that's <laughs> it. It's about 7,500 people. Well, yeah. and one of the things that we found with our Trinity Cafes, there were a couple of um, accessible housing complexes right near our for original Trinity Cafe on Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And as that area has grown, as downtown has expanded, they are the housing situation there is changing many are no longer accepting section 8 some of the apartment complexes are closing down mm-hmm. um, and and we started to see our numbers for lunch go down a little bit and one of the main reasons that our guests told us is that nobody's getting renewed leases in these complexes right. you you may even still have your voucher but you no longer have your affordable house near your job wow. you now have to seek housing, you know, Hillsborough is a big county. It's the size of Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to the outskirts to find a place that will accept your housing support. And you are now having to navigate travel from 40 or 50 minutes away Mm -hmm. when before it was three bus stops. 
Up, yeah, it's it's in, in Nebraska in particular. So that's my neighborhood. So um, I'm a I'm a dyed in the wool. I've been in I've been in Seminole Heights for almost two decades. So like a true hipster, I gotta say I lived in Seminole Heights before it was cool. Um, but but I have watched the corridor change so much, and and right now it's it's just so hard for me because um, if you haven't driven down Nebraska Avenue and you are a Tampa resident, I highly recommend that you do because it is really one of the best examples of gentrification right now because mm-hmm. you are still seeing. Um, um, you are still seeing the the unhoused sleeping on the streets, um, and where they're sleeping is in the shadow of some townhouses that are going to sell for about four fifty a unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it's just it's a re- it's a remarkably it's a remarkably bleak image of of what we see. Um, you know, there's a there's a there's a I don't want to say large because I don't actually have numbers, but there is an unhoused population that yeah. you see on Nebraska Avenue, many of whom are, are treated with dignity and respect as guests at Trinity Cafe, and I have volunteered there many times and it is a it is a wonderful organization and those are those are good people um but i'm i'm deeply concerned when i see things like what's happening in the in the nebraska area in that tampa heights region and all around there sulfur springs you're you're seeing it all pushed in all of our people being pushed and it's like if we don't fix what's going on with housing right now I, i i you speak in hyperbole to the degree that you want people to wake up and engage you, right? And and I just keep saying, if we don't do something about this, people are going to spend Christmas in their cars. Yeah, families yeah. are going to spend Christmas in their cars, and that's yeah, that's a. It's not hyperbolic though. This is really going to start to happen because what we're seeing now, too, to your point, you have the voucher. You have the rental assistance if you were lucky enough to get it. And this is something that we're really engaged in right now is trying to get the navigators, trying to to fund navigation systems to help people get the rental assistance. Because, okay, what, why do we do this? Because you want to educate people. And what's another thing? Oh, there's plenty of you know, help for help right. wanted signs. And the next yeah. one is, well, you know, there's plenty of money and only like 8% of it's been touched. Yes, there's a reason for that. Um, and that is is that there was a lot of talk back in like April and May. And people were very vocal about how, of 2020, about how uh, the website for unemployment benefits for the state of Florida was not, shall we say, the best. <laughs> it, yeah. it, had, it had some bugs. <laughs> yes. It could have been, it could have been better. It could have been, could have been better. (laughs) Um, And I always tell people, yeah, if you go and you try to figure out how to get rental assistance on the rental assistance website, it makes the unemployment website look like Amazon. Mm. (laughs) Oh man. It is, it is uh, some of the most, and, and part of that is just because the way that the money is getting distributed, a lot of it is getting pushed onto counties and municipalities and they're having to try to create their own systems and they're trying to do it their own way and so you know we've got five counties we've got five ways to manage rental assistance and so it, it is an incredibly cumbersome uh, experience in some cases you have to have your landlord vouch for you well in some cases your landlord is some sort of strange management property group out of new jersey that just changed hands four times in the last five years there is no landlord. Right. Um, yep. Yeah, so it's just there's there's all sorts of challenges inherent in the system and in, in the in the in the process itself, which is one of the reasons why you're not seeing as much of those dollars going to the families that really need them. Um, so so we're working really really hard in that space. And people talk about eviction. We need to start moving away from eviction too, because the eviction crisis has passed. Um, because you, we've been in this for 18 months, right? So. You're not we, evicted if your not, lease is up and yeah, doesn't get renewed. And right? that's exactly what's happening, yeah. right? And that's why we now now I just keep saying, you know, really it's accessible housing challenge. It's it's you know it's all of that because what's happening is is that because housing prices we lead the nation depending on whether you look at it we're number one or number two of having the highest rent increase uh, in in the United States our region twenty uh, percent in the last six months and so what these landlords are doing is they're just okay your lease is up you're out and then they're just raising the rent on the same unit that yeah. probably had lots of issues to begin with. It was a year older and a year less. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. And so that's, you know, and I think the Tampa Bay Times, I got to give a huge shout out. They've done a really good job yeah. of, of really taking the, the larger issue and putting really personal faces on it, telling stories about, you know, what this looks like when it impacts families and all of that. They've done a really good job sharing that story for us. Well, and I think all of this conversation just highlights for me the first word I think of when I think about United Way, which is collaboration, mm-hmm. right? These are not challenges that can be done by one group or one organization. That's why we need 
a united way in our community to help make these collaborations happen. You know, even just you were talking about the VITA program earlier, and I, I love this example because it makes so much sense. And it took us years to figure it out that you were training awesome volunteers to work through really complex federal forms with a lot of information and how to help an individual work through that form. And you need them for about four months a year. Mm -hmm. And then there's another effort in our community that's really, really excellent called LEAP. It's a college access network, which I know you guys are part of. And they are training really wonderful volunteers to work through really complex federal applications for college student aid. Mm -hmm. And they need volunteers about four months a year. And then we're over here in the corner raising our hands and saying, hey, have you ever heard of a SNAP application? <laughs> really complex have, federal form. Right. You have all you know. these volunteers. Yeah. Right. And so right. we've started to work together right. that if we're cross-training, it really is the same set of skills. It's the same group of people we're helping out. You ask one more question. If somebody comes in and wants to be a SNAP volunteer for us, if we train that volunteer to ask, hey, have you gotten help with your taxes yet? Right. We don't even have to send them to somebody different. Right. They can come right, right back wow. to the same person. Mm -hmm. We can be a VITA site mm -hmm. with United Way, and we can help them with their taxes. And if they come to United Way, United Way can help them with their college <laughs> yep. aid application right. and their SNAP benefits application. Right. Mm -hmm. you know, that's the kind of partnership that, to me, typifies how United Way can be incredibly valuable in a community. Well, th thank you for, yeah, thank you for bringing that all home too, because that's, that is how we do it. So what I always tell people is, especially when I go into businesses, I say, do you have a 401k? Of course, you know, most, most everybody gets a 401k when we're talking to companies and we're, you know, we're going out and talking about what we do. And I said, okay, so what are you invested in, in your 401k? Name, name one stock, <laughs> name one mutual fund, name, name something that you're, oh, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. You just give money every month out of your paycheck and you you trust that you have invested with a um a level of risk appetite and this is going to you know pay dividends when you retire and i say okay in some ways that is the united way because what you do is you say i say to you we invest in early childhood literacy we invest in in financial literacy. We make sure that kids know how to read and are on the path to success. We know that adults are getting the financial assistance that they need in a, in a, in a myriad of different services in different areas. You give to the United Way and you trust us to invest your dollars into all of the services and networks that make your community better. We are basically your philanthropic financial managers. <laughs> yeah. That is what we do. So everything that I talk about, we don't do any of that alone. Some of those programs are ours. I mean, sure, we've, we've got dedicated programs. We've got dedicated sites um, in neighborhoods that we serve. But a lot of the work we do is we do in partnership. And so we do collect all of the dollars that the community gives to us we invest it in over well this year we're at about 78 nonprofit funded partners and each one of those nonprofit funder funded partners are working in the space of early childhood literacy and financial stability and like feeding champa bay absolutely falls into that because mm -hmm. a kid can't learn if a kid is hungry mm -hmm. right yep. you know right. and again you can't, we've already talked about this you know if it's if you've got to if you've got to make your car payment you got to stay in your house then being able to have assistance on the grocery bill makes a huge difference to your financial well-being and so we look at the whole family we look at the whole person and we find the ways to give them the services that they need to be the best caregivers and for that child to have the best possible educational opportunities. And so that's what we do. And that's how our business model works. So in a lot of ways, a lot of reasons why people don't know what the United Way does is because we all A, do different things. It just depends on what our community needs. But we also invest in different things. Mm -hmm. So we have different and, and our funding partners will change because it's kind of like a grant for people who understand the granting system. The nonprofits come to us and say, we'd like to partner with you and they apply and 
good volunteers <laughs> right. sit on the funding process, which you can talk about what I've that's like. Done that a time or two. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, we and sit down and decide how we're going to allocate all the money that that we raised. So, I mean, I always say as a fundraiser that it is my honor and privilege to watch people who are much smarter than I am, uh, much more engaged than I am, much more innovative than I am, go out and solve the community's problems. It's my job to pick up the tab. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's my job. Got the check. My got the check. So that is what we do, and that's the team that I oversee with all the fundraisers. Is that we we got to we got to pay that tab, um, and and unfortunately the tab's getting a lot bigger because the challenges are really getting a lot greater. And and I've had people ask. I'm sure you guys are getting asked this too. It's like, are you ever going to solve the problem? Why is the need getting greater? Why why are things getting so much harder? And um, and I and I find that a challenging question right now because I think a lot of businesses really bounced back very well yeah. from the pandemic. Well, I always say, like, have you ever played whack-a-mole? <laughs> and, and then had somebody pull up a second whack-a-mole machine next to you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and another? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's... And, and I think it's an important question. I saw the other day that um, Elon Musk asked the World Food Program if $6 billion would solve world hunger because they made that... The World Food Program made that claim. Mm-hmm. And it's such an interesting activity to go through mentally to say what would our number be you know what would the number be in this community to solve hunger i i know that we can come up with that number but i can also tell you that we're a decimal place off you know (laughs) you know we we have a long way to go to truly end hunger but we're working our way there as hard yeah. as we possibly can. And it's awesome partner, partners like United Way that are making that happen for us. You know, just last, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was in, in Pinellas County launching Feeding Pinellas. And one of the conversations that we had was sharing how many meals we distributed in Pinellas County. And we also shared the meal gap mm-hmm. and let, let the community know that though we put nearly 22 million meals in Pinellas County in 2021, there are still another 12 million missing meals in that community. And so we do know what it takes Mm -hmm. and it takes awesome people picking up the check and asking others Mm -hmm. to pick up the check. Mm -hmm. And it takes all of, you know, it's a, it's a potluck dinner and some people can bring the main course Yep. and, and some people are are pulling up with pixie sticks, you know? Yep. And you got to trust the person that makes the mac and cheese. Yes. You're in the South. That's really important. Like there's, that's, that'll start fights. Down a rabbit hole with mac and cheese. That'll start fights right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we're coming up in the holiday season. I feel like we got to give a shout out to all the good side dishes, right? Yeah. Yeah. My boys Mm -hmm. always get mad if I buy, if I bring home the mac and cheese, that doesn't have the crumbles on top. Oh yeah. Yeah. Crumble. Yeah, oh. <laughs> bake the regular mac and cheese. Wait, where's the crumb? Mm-hmm. Dad, what are you doing? Oh, you got fancy boys. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Might be like, ew, what's on top? <laughs> <laughs> but that's you know that's one of the things that I love about feeding Tampa Bay. You know, as a as a food distribution center, and we do the we do the ready made meals for, that you all yes. that you all provide, and that is just you know it's so it's so wonderful because when they when I would do di- when I do distribution when I volunteer, I always want to see when, what everything is, and y'all just make like a hug in a bowl, <laughs> like that's I what I call that. it. It Our really. Amazing. Those meals are a hug in a bowl. There is just delicious, nutritious comfort food in every single meal yes. that y'all make. And it's <laughs> yeah. just like it's you know, it's and it's always cool too because when you're doing a distribution, people will ask, yeah. you know, what is it? You know, what what do we what is it? And you get to tell them. And it's just like people light up when mm-hmm. they know that they're gonna get something that's gonna Tastes like comfort. Like yeah. we don't, we yeah. can't, we really can't underestimate enough the emotional connection we have to food. Um, and this is the time, this is the season we start to talk about that, right? Yep. Because you know whether it's whether your your kids are still coming off of the candy coma of Halloween, <laughs> or you know you're looking to see and, and and honestly too, you a lot of organizations are are talking about the fact that we're going to see some some significant food shortages yep. on some mm-hmm. Thanksgiving st- staples. You know where it's going to be hard to find turkeys. It's going to be hard to find hams. You know I've I've already decided that's it. We're going to go. Straight true old school with our Thanksgiving and we're going to take advantage of the bounty of that which is around us. So we're having seafood. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There we go. I'm doing, I'm doing a low country boil because my husband's from South Carolina. So that's that's what we're going to do. But, but again, like, cause I've already written it off. I'm not fighting somebody for a turkey. It's not, (laughs) no, 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 it's not going to happen. And, and, and by the way, I think all of my I, I have I count all my blessings for the fact that I can make that privileged choice to not fight someone for a turkey in right. the middle of Publix. Yeah. But I know that you all are going to see some real challenges moving, you know, 
food food shortages are real. Food prices are real right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the inability for a lot of organizations to be able to donate to you the way they always have is going to be a challenge. I mean, it's just, and and the work that you do when we talk about the stability that food brings beyond the the actual you know the survival mechanism it's it's really a mental state and you all do really provide food that makes puts people in a good mental state and i I just think that's extraordinary it's why we changed our tagline our tagline is because food makes tomorrow possible Mm -hmm. and and i i love that we have taken that perspective on it because it is about more than just the meal for that day. And it is, I love the hug in a bowl because <laughs> Chef, yeah. Daniel, yeah. Chef Daniel's, Daniel's going to love, love it. that. Yeah. He'll be so proud of that. Yes, he is. Um, hug in a bowl. This podcast was made possible by the innovative thinking and the funding of Feeding America, a nationwide network of more than 200 food banks that feed more than 46 million people through food pantries, soup kitchens, shelters, and other community-based agencies. So this is a question Shannon normally asks, but I'm going to jump in and take it. What's your hug in a bowl? What? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. I've lived. I've got. I've, I'm a. a Tried and true Floridian, so I really grew up in this state. Um, but I had to spend some time in California. I've spent some time in New York, and what I find is that my uh, my comfort food c- can sometimes change. So my comfort food is Cuban food. Mm. So you know okay. that that is you know chicken and yellow rice and and rice and beans, uh, ropa vieja. I mean this mm. is this is yeah this is my life. This is this is what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, picadillo, you know whatever yep. it's going to be. That's that's my comfort food. Um, actually, when I was pregnant with my son. Um, I, I, I ate so many meatloaf sandwiches from the Columbia. I thought he might be one. Um, he should have been a meatloaf sandwich and a bowl of rice and beans. That should have been what he was. Um, but yeah, that was, that's all I used to eat. But it, um, it, it, for me, it's Cuban food. Cuban food is my comfort food. Okay. So yep. now I'm going to really put you on the spot Yeah. because I think we all have our opinions about good Cuban food in the Tampa Bay area. Uh-huh. And we all have our favorites. Uh-huh. We have done barbecue rankings before. Yep. I think we've done yep. some Italian food rankings uh-huh. before. Yeah. So, so bring it on the Cuban let's, food. I, I think we might have, uh, it will, it'll be a symbolic fight over a Cuban <laughs> sandwich instead of a fight over a turkey. I'm going to, I'm so. going to, I'm going to call out, I'm going to give a small, new, amazing business on Nebraska Avenue a shout out. Okay. And I'm going to say, don't sleep on the Cuban sandwich at the Flan Factory. The flan, mm. factory. the flan factory. The flan also, factory. Also, by the way, stay for the flan. <laughs> <laughs> they have like the they have implies. they have like ten different they have ten different flavors. Oh, of flan. Stop. And, and, then, and there's a flan of the day. I didn't know I needed a flan of the day, but I do. Um, they are. It's an extraordinary woman-owned business. Um, it's a lot of her abuela's uh, recipes, but she's kind of twisted, done a couple of twists on some things. Ooh. I keep bringing people there because it's real close to downtown, but it's in the neighborhoods that we serve, and uh, it's just extraordinary. Don't sleep on the flan factory Cuban sandwich. So see, yes. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna a get in a fight, but yes. I'm gonna give you a new place that, to try. That is my Lunch. favorite piece of information: is getting a new place right that we there. have to try. Thank you. No, I. Mm-hmm. So, Ev? For sure. So I live like like two minutes from a Peepos in St. Oh, Pete. Yeah. Peepos is awesome. Yeah. That's a good Cuban. Oh, and and that yeah. is not just a good Cuban sandwich. That is the whole, oh, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Yep. Like just go home with a box of stuff to the gills with mm-hmm. yellow rice and plantains and oh my God. Yep. yep. So good. Yep. Yeah. Shannon? Well, I have to go with the tradition of the Columbia. Uh, yeah. Okay. You know, I yeah. love okay. going to the Columbia, but I am not Again, I'm from here as well. Mm-hmm. So Cuban food, I make my own. My grandmother taught me how to mm-hmm. make the ropa vieja and mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So I can put a mean Cuban meal together myself. <laughs> thank you very much. I've, but I ain't bringing it in to cook. I've so. made ropa vieja <laughs> in the Instant Pot, by the way. Oh, yeah. I have done it. And it is, I mean, it's, you know, it's not what I'm going to make for Christmas, but it's, it's good. <laughs> yeah. It'll get you by. You yeah, know, it's yeah. Wednesday's dinner. Exactly. And it's delicious. Mm-hmm. And people are thankful. Mm-hmm. So then I'm going to have to round out the top five with one on each side of the bay. Okay. We're going to go with the original, the best, the the Cuban bread that everyone needs. Oh. La, Segunda. La, Segunda. La Segunda. La Segunda. You can yep. go to the one in Ybor and stand outside in yep. a huge line and wait. Or they have the new place on Kennedy yep. where you can actually get a table mm-hmm. yeah. and enjoy the medianoche, which mm-hmm. is, you know, yes. I love a Cuban, but <laughs> throw that sweet bread on there, make it a medianoche, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, that's hard to top. And then 
because I also grew up here um, when I was in Tallahassee. One of my comforts from home was a place called Gordo's in Tallahassee. Oh, yeah. And it had amazing Cuban food. And there's a, a long convoluted history. I'm not sure I know the whole thing of, but there is a place in Oldsmar that has the exact same menu as Gordo's does. And it is called... Something that just oh Cuban breezes <laughs> okay Cuban breezes Cuban in breezes. Oldsmar okay has the the same Gordo fries with the little spice on them and mm-hmm. oh yeah it's it is how'd you bump awesome. into that place somebody told me I don't even remember who oh. I mean I'm always talking like, about food so <laughs> okay like it's it's no surprise that my conversation ends with food and like it <laughs> yeah. has has a huge food component so somebody knew I I love we were talking about Gordos and how much I missed it and. Um, that I have to fight my kids when we go to Tallahassee because they always <laughs> want to go to Momo's and get a pizza. Uh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. Or yeah. Um, yep. And so uh, they were saying, hey, did you know that uh, there's a gross like, a sister quarter. restaurant? kind of like the flan place where I'm going to yes. head out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so, so good. And she's got other things on, they've got other things on the menu too. I'm hitting so. the flan factory. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> we really need today. You guys are hitting Cuban breezes. <laughs> it's a long breezes. day yep. today. Go, yep. go a little yeah. early. Because it gets it gets full. Yeah, it's, yeah, it gets, oh, it gets yeah. busy. Perfect timing. Could not recommend Pipo's more know, highly. That's a great call. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can't yeah. let go of a cafe con leche and the toast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you said La Segunda, I'm like, yeah, oh. cafe con leche. <laughs> well, and the and La Segunda's uh, guava turnovers. Are oh, the, oh yeah. The yeah. Best. Shout out to Roberto and Blind Tiger yeah. for having us. Yes, yes, yes absolutely, yes. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Now we're all chiming in. That's so like mm-hmm. when we're talking about food. Hungry. And, and I don't know if you know this, but you can get guava paste at most Publixes. You can make. Oh yeah. Make your own. Yeah. You, can. you can also make your own fried chicken. There's things you shouldn't do. Oh yes, that's, thank you, that's girl. That's a good point. That's a very I'm good point. I'm with you point. on that one. Yes. Right. So there's one question that we haven't asked you. Actually, there's a few that I want to get to because you kind of really have a really fun background, which goes back to California, New York, the mm-hmm. all these mm-hmm. bouncing around. But he touched on your favorite foods. But what's what's a favorite memory around the table? Oh my goodness, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. So, so it's interesting because you know we we had Halloween pass a couple of weeks ago, and I'm a big fan of doing um, an ancestors dinner. You know, really celebrating. Um, it's it's not it's not truly you know, Dia de la Muertes. It's it's a little different. It's uh you know just on Halloween the veil is thinner and you mm-hmm. can commune with the dead. Correct. Yes. <laughs> and so so we do a thing where we all get together. It's me and a couple other fam- our family and a couple other families, and we just make the food of our ancestors. Ooh. And so um so my my family is German, um, and so to be really fair, like my true, like my true cultural comfort food is German food, which, by the way, is the most unattractive food <laughs> in the yeah, entire world. Like, nothing ever. Like I will make these. Um, yeah, it has brown unique smells to it. It, it does, sure. right? And it's like everything. Like I will make, like I will make a dish, and like I'll make, like I will, like straight up do like spatzel or schnitzel or whatever, and I get all done. I'm like, I'm not taking a picture of that. That looks terrible. <laughs> That it tastes like, really good. But it tastes yeah. amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. So let's just share that. So, a video yes. mm-hmm. So I have to say yeah. there was somebody, we uh, we have a big Halloween caravan in my neighborhood where we have a, a hayride that goes around and there's mm-hmm. probably 40 people on it. And one of the people that was on the hayride with us was wearing uh, a full German the whole leader hosen, the whole leader hosen, and Prost. You know, high shoes. <laughs> and, oh, was, and, and he has his his background is German also, mm-hmm. and he has made uh, some amazing sauerkraut. I oh yeah, didn't know those two words would go yeah, together. Yeah, but no, you make sauerkraut from scratch. If like you make I, it the it's right very way. Good. Yes, it's very it's different. Very, yeah. And you can do sweet, and you can do savory. There's a whole yeah. there's a whole hidden life of yeah. cabbage, basically that <laughs> right. you just don't. Yeah, but well, so so Cuban, so I mean, uh, so German food. So all of my really favorite memories are my I was really blessed to know my great grandmother um, and had her in my life for quite a long time and she was an amazing uh, she was straight up uh, Pennsylvania Dutch and so everything that she made was just from scratch and delicious and so like the thing that I made and the thing that I always remember her for is apple dumplings mm. and I do but again I t- I made the most amazing apple dumplings <laughs> and I, I came out of the oven and I just looked at him like that looks like trash <laughs> <laughs> that looks like that just looks like not even the little fork cut in the top yeah, no, no, I mean it's just because you because you do it if you do it right you do it in the juices you yeah, know so they're exactly. all brown and like every I just looked at it I was like that looks terrible no oh, one wants man. to eat but then you eat it and it's it like is, delicious yeah. right sure. it's all that matters and so yeah I think you know so so it's funny because it's fresh in my mind a little bit but I think if you were going to ask me the question today so I'll go with today's memory is this morning um, I I had the opera so I've been making apple dumplings now for a while because I was trying to perfect it and mm. get better at it 
because those those Doe and I aren't friends. <laughs> I gotta be, I gotta be, be challenged. Challenge. Doe yeah. and I are not yep. friends. But my grandmother always used to if you had it for dessert the night before you had it was ice cream. You could have it for breakfast oh, yeah. if you put warm milk on it. <laughs> yes. That's German breakfast food. I don't, you know, I don't. Historically, they have not had a good track record, but mm. but I think apple dumplings with hot milk is maybe yeah. where they can redeem themselves. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I have given my son an apple dumpling with warm milk, and it totally reminded me of my great grandma. And so Aww. that's going to be my food memory. Aww. That's going to be oh, my food memory. And it. his too, I think. I did probably. You know? yeah. I, well, he really did get that look on his face, like I, this is breakfast. And I'm like, <laughs> like, mom, what are you doing? Eat it. Trust me. Trust how old is he? He's seven. Oh, he is seven. Wow. He is, and it's perfect. This is the age I want to freeze. I have decided. Yeah, like I've okay. really enjoyed parenting, so and I really have. But I have, I have, I've had. I was always the parent that people were like, "I want babies." And I'm like, "I want teenagers." <laughs> Teenagers, yes. yeah, teenagers are awesome. They like, are. I love teenagers. Yeah. They're my favorites. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so it's like kind of the whole babies and the whole, I've really enjoyed, of course, being his mother. It is my greatest honor. Mm-hmm. But there are times that I'm like, when you can use your words, this is going to be a lot more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> when and you I, can get yourself in and out of a car. Yeah, they, they, the little can, things. You know, yeah, yeah, those, the, those the, when you can tell me about your feelings. Mm-hmm. Actually, right. use your words and tell me about your feelings. And I feel like uh, seven is I that. I hate to break age. it to you. He's yeah. a boy, so there's a decent chance oh. that time's not coming. <laughs> well, it depends. It depends. He's an only child, okay, though, too. Okay, so, yeah. Okay, so no, he can express himself. He's an only child who had to go through the pandemic. So his two best friends are two, like, mid-40-year-old Gen Xers. <laughs> and his, yeah, and his mom and dad. He has learned so, to express his feelings. So he's yeah. learned how to express his feelings. He does so in Star Wars memes. He's going to be okay. Like, yeah. Whether or not we didn't write, we found way a way to communicate. Yeah. Across right. nine movies, you can meme a yeah. lot of stuff. Yeah. You know? I really can. I got a bad feeling about this. Oh, I, and... <laughs> And if timing was right, if my son called me right now on my cell phone, my ringtone specific to my children is the I am your father. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine, a friend of mine who shall remain nameless when it's his wife, it's R2D2 freaking out. <laughs> Which I just think is the best thing. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to say Imperial March, and that's a little yeah. more. Yeah. Trouble there. No, no, no. R2D2 freaking trouble, out is yeah. a little, yeah, yeah, yeah a little that's, so- that's yeah. Soft, softer side one. of matrimony. That's a good one. Yeah. The yeah. March is a problem. That's like an ex. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's an in law. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, ouch. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Oh, my gosh. So, before did not we think go, we were going to get into Star Wars meetings oh, today, by on, the way. But I'm so glad we did. I'm so glad we did. It's always going to come around so to Star Wars. speaking of Star Wars, <laughs> speaking of traveling all over the place, Little Bird told me that you have some really fun experience in your life. <laughs> I've been really blessed. I uh, So, everybody, so it's, I, I look at my son, and uh, I, I'm starting to figure out what it is that he really loves. And and uh, the reason why I'm watching really acutely is it was around his age that I realized what I really loved. And I really loved to be on stage. Mm. I just loved it. Um, it was my favorite place to be and it's where I wanted to be as much as I possibly could. And so um, my family was very um, supportive of this. And I want to be very clear, my parents were not supportive of this. They wanted me to be good at ballet or piano or gymnastics or something like all the other kids, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to. Um, and so they begrudgingly, but supportively, would take me on auditions. Um, I grew up in the state and Orlando at the time had a, a rising uh, film uh, industry. People don't believe that, but if you think about it, Hollywood Studios does in fact have studios. Universal Studios does in fact have studios. And at one time, it was the home of all of Disney's Disney Channel's uh, original programming and all of Nickelodeon's original programming. Mm -hmm. And so I had had all sorts of opportunities. And so I was on a television show. I I did lots of stuff. I did did commercials. Did you get slimed? I never got slimed. I never, I wasn't Nickelodeon, I was Disney. (laughs) Sorry. Um, But yeah, so I did a a whole lot of commercials. I do little one-off television shows here and there. I was on a couple. And then I got on a television show in high school and it carried me through to college which was really crazy I went to the University of Florida I went to school three days a week and I filmed in Orlando four days a week wow. and that oh, was wow. like and, and that would happen depending on how it worked it was like that would be my fall semester and then spring would be normal or that would be you know fall would be normal and that would be my spring semester it would just depend on where, where filming would land for the seasons and so um, when that all happened it was a great opportunity it was a theater major kind of by default because I kind of had to be because only the theater department would work with this like <laughs> insane schedule and say that it was okay so shout out to the University of Florida for working with me on that um, and then afterwards I went out to Los Angeles and spent quite a long time I'm in, in LA. I was one of the, proud to say I was one of the founding members of uh, Second City Hollywood. Lots of people know Second City nice. Chicago. Yeah. I was Second City Hollywood. <laughs> um, and so did a lot of sketch writing, did a lot of comedy, improv, did a lot of performing and directing and a little, little baby, a little bit, bit of producing. 
um, and just had an absolute, absolute blast. And it was a great time, um, but it does wear on you. LA, LA will mess with you. And uh, now, I cannot say. Um, I cannot say that I do not. I do not. I'm very blessed. I do not have a Me Too story aside from the rampant, you know, mm. blatant sexism and racism yeah. and exploitation that is Hollywood. Um, <laughs> other than that, <laughs> that. Other magic, than that. Yeah. but a lot of that was just because um, I just was. Uh, I was at the. I was a little kid and I grew up in this business and I just reached a point where I was like, that's a hotel room and I'm not doing an audition in there. That seems like a bad idea. Right. Um, and so I really removed myself from quote unquote opportunity. Um, and after a while it was just like, yeah, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of done. Um, and I came back to, to, I grew up in Fort Myers, but I came back to Tampa and fell in love with this area and do a lot of theater still here and still mm-hmm. keep my hand in it all. And nice. um, still teach occasionally. You still see me teach some improv every now and again. I will, I will go and teach some improv. I teach improv. Actually, I made it legit I don't know I teach improv uh, for MBA students Oh, so I combine the concepts of, of being a good improviser and listening and saying uh, yes yep. and all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff all those games that really are team building and communication based and I teach them to to you know I try Look to you all grown up I know I teach it to MBA students and I use business theory wow. I like, oh, what, what? yeah I got my I got my I actually got a master's in it at the University of South Florida so I'm a bull I'm a bull gator I'm a, I'm a gator bull <laughs> okay well we're Seminoles at this table yeah. so okay. just, now well, it's time to jump hey, I'm just kidding <laughs> and, to be, and to be fair, we're all having a bad football season. That's right. So that's something we can, yes. all, we can all commiserate. Hang in our hands yeah. on that one. Yeah. Right um, now, I'm just rooting for anybody to beat Alabama. And if that's Georgia, I do not care. Like, yes. let's just beat Alabama. Whatever. Somebody Whatever. beat let's them. Let's just beat Alabama. So if I hear roll tight, no. no. Um, so question, what Disney show was it? Um, so, so it was, <laughs> so we're going to um, Google it anyway. You're going to yeah. Go, yeah it's not, hey, I'm on, I got an IMDb. You can go check it out. Um, so I, uh, I was on a show. So Mickey Mouse Club mm-hmm. was essentially the show, but I wasn't necessarily a Mouseketeer. Um, what they would do is they would take the Mouseketeers and they would put them in like these soap opera serials that used to run inside the Mickey Mouse Club. Okay. And so they would put them, so there was one that was very, very popular called Emerald Cove and that's what I was in. So I was a main character that was centered in the Emerald Cove universe, but then all of my co-stars were all Mouseketeers. Gotcha. So yes, so that was, it was it was cool. I mean, there, you know, I like to say I'm the not famous Mouseketeer, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so it was, it was very, very cool. So I, I I played a character named Susie Winters and she was a complete ditz and it was so much fun to play. She was super, um, she was super physical and she was kind of weird and she was, she was not unlike, um, I'm trying to think like, the characters that like, um, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking on her name on Saturday Night Live, um, that always plays kind of the Mary weird. Catherine Gallagher. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's a little bit. She's a little bit. But like, we just do these things where it's like there'd be like a there'd like be a scene in the library. You know, there'd be a scene in the library. It was it was a very funny show. It was a very cute show, and the and the and the team that worked on it was really had a great sense of humor. But they do things like it would be a library, and like there'd be a scene, and like the two characters would be talking, and like one of them pull a book out, and it would just be me, <laughs> just like oh, hiding in the book. Yeah, hiding in the bookshelf, <laughs> just hiding. So yeah, there, there was a scene I remember they did in a restaurant, and I because remember we shot on a location, and it was there was a fish tank, and I happened to be like there to get a takeaway shot, but they were just like, Carrie, you have to. And so like, as they're having the scene, you probably don't even notice it. I'm just walking past the fish tank, you know, just walking in the background behind the fish tank. And then I'm acting like I'm swimming in the fish tank. And so like, I got away with doing like all this really weird stuff for a kid's show. And it was a great and character. And had a blast. And had a blast. It was, it was so much fun. And, and yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a great opportunity and still friends with a lot of those, those folks to this day. Mm. It's great. So I'm super curious about the, the improv skills and MBA thing. Yeah. Because I'm guessing that is what makes you a really good development officer, those same kind of skill set, right? Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yes, yes. And it, it, it is. It's because it's all about good fundraising is listening to – there are many people I listen to and I say, you don't want to give your money to the United Way. You want to give your money to this organization. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of my job is really making sure that I am matching people with their passions. And a lot of that is listening and then and then – and then flipping in the, you know, working on the fly, yeah. you know, really listening and really turn on the fly. I want to make sure that whenever I'm talking to somebody and they're going to invest their dollars, they're going to do it in a way that makes them feel the most engaged, the most fulfilled, and, and the most likely to continue right. to do it. Yes, exactly. Right. That's the, the most important thing. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So keeping the truth. Keeping the truth. So yeah, lots of times I'll be, yeah, I'll talk to somebody and they'll 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 say, well, I want to, you know, I'm, I remember I had a really good conversation with a with a potential donor. She really wanted to get involved, so it was like. 
board member-ish kind of time in her life. And, and we, the more we started talking and I was just like halfway through, I'm like, were you a Girl Scout? <laughs> and she was like, all of a sudden, it because I could just kind of, I was getting these markers and she just lit up and I'm like, all right, let me introduce you. <laughs> and like just sent her right on over to the Girl Scouts of West Central Florida. And you know what? That is that is where she wanted to be. I was never going to give her that level of direct connection to developing young women in yep. leadership roles. That's that's not, what, now we fund them, mm-hmm. you know, so right. great. We're going to work together. We're going to work together. So. But where is she going to, where is her, where is she going to be able to maximize right. what she gives back? And so yeah, there's a lot of it, the lot of that's improv and and just because the money didn't run through your organization doesn't mean that's where it wouldn't ended up in the end anyway and so you're still doing absolutely your job for our community you know that's the right thing exactly (laughs) exactly it's called the right thing exactly Yeah, and I will you tell win. you, I will tell you, you too, and I, and I have to say this, you know, the community is very, very concerned right now about food insecurity, and it is an honor to be able to, to recommend them to come over to Feeding Tampa Bay, because what you all do is truly remarkable, and, you know, it is, it is always good to be able to say, well, if that's what you're interested in, this is where you go, because they're the best in the country, because y'all really are, and the work oh, that you're doing you is that. truly remarkable. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And we do it with your help. And Yay! we love it. <laughs> BFFs, man. We love it. Yeah. All right. Well, I well, think that wraps it up. That wraps it up. Give Thank us a little you. love. We're out of here. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. There you go. We were just waiting for you to compliment little, us, little and then we were going to cut you route. off. So. Yeah, it's not my no. first. This is not my first rodeo. I was like, okay, and it's time yeah, to give him a shout out. Plug. All right. Hype, hype girl, check. Good night, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll be inviting you back. Thank you so much. All right. Next month, we have Carrie. No, thank you so much, friend, for dropping by. We appreciate you. How fun. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Feeding Tampa Bay.